the bees were the worst nemesis. I mean, we had close to oh, a million for bees you, yeah. on the set. You I got stung. How many times did you get stung? Okay, so what is, was there a deal where you got paid because of the bees? I had a great lawyer at the time, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, we got paid per so bee. $1,000 per sting? Something like that, yeah. Really? Yeah, so I didn't mind it. I'm going, like, bring it on. It only totaled to 27, but it was 27 fun. stings? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you never told me you got stung that many times. Yeah, well, it happened. What was it like having them in your mouth? Well, we had a dental dam, so it wasn't, you know, you got it, you're you trained as a dental dam? And a dental dam, so it couldn't go further down. I was down. wondering how you did that. I never knew that. I like to listen to music get on. After I have a hit of my thought of my thought of my thought. I like to listen to music get on. After I have a hit of my thought of my thought of my thought. I like to listen to sick and wrong After I have a hit of my bong bong If I need to write a song But it didn't take me very long Well, now's the end Uh, yeah Oh, Adam and Eve Eve.com Yeah I like to listen to sick and wrong After I have a hit of my bong of my bong of my bong I like to listen to sick and wrong After I have a hit of my bong of my bong of my bong Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. What's the crack, Kate Rambo? Now, mate, what's crack with you? What's going on? I'm just enjoying the uh, the Halloween festivities. Yes, although of spooktober. It, it hasn't felt very spooktobery yet, but we haven't really done anything spooktobery yet. What are you talking about? We're going to talk uh, last weekend. We went to Spawn Ranch. We, we talk about all. Of, we talk about all of this in detail. We had a fun-filled Manson weekend. Yeah, but I would do that any day of the year. It, that, well, just because it's Halloween doesn't mean we have to do... Like, they, they were in my bucket kinda list. It's kind of creepy. Well, it's kind of spooky. Creepy. It was fitting for the season. It was. Okay, I take it back. Although every day is Halloween for us. Yes. Um, but what about, uh, what about shopping for Halloween bric-a-brac at the Marshalls? It, been loving it. Yeah, I've been loving that. Um, I love how the Americans are just gung-ho about Halloween. You just love it. Well, they love holidays. Americans love holidays, but definitely Halloween is one that uh, that that everyone seems to participate in. Um, but it, it's it's funny that you see stores like Rite Aid, CVS. Every store has Halloween shit. Yeah, I do enjoy that, and I'm waiting for the sales. That's what I'm waiting for. Well, it's what's funny about it is uh, it comes and goes so quickly. Like it's it's like there's already like uh, we were in Marshalls the other day, and they already have Christmas shit. Oh, fuck it, fuck Christmas. I know that quickly fucking hate christmas I, don't remind me that that's coming up i know but it's just it's it's that's how you can tell time it's just by what type of shit they're selling in these different <laughs> stores although uh kate placed a moratorium on skulls there's too um, many skulls in here we uh, we've reached the quota of skulls now so if you want to bring in a skull into this household it has to be a very special skull i think that's rather intolerant it's not. It's just how we have can, a lot of skulls. How can one have too many skulls? Um, you sound like you're an emperor in like the fourth century BC. Like, how can one have many skulls? Yeah, we have too many skulls. I don't think we have that many. I think skulls are good. It's just a good uh, like everyday decoration. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. I do require two human skulls so that I can fulfill the diorama of my dreams. I could actually fulfill the diorama of my dreams above your record shelf if I had. 
to human skulls. Wait, so you're saying no moratorium on human skulls? Oh, no, there will never be a moratorium on real skulls. I just mean Halloween skulls. We're, we're at quota. We're at max now. Okay, like the novelty skulls. We're at quota. We're at max. Well, that's what I love about Marshalls. They have like, you know, skull mason jars, skull cups, skull ashtrays, skull shot glasses. Skull, everything is a skull. I do. I enjoy all that. I wish I there was more bats, though. Bring bring Skull on more plates. bats. Bats and snakes is what I want I to see I think we more got of. like a bat theme. What is that thing that holds uh, vegetables? Yes. Oh, no, that's a cobweb. Oh, it's a cobweb. <laughs> yeah, we have a cobweb. <laughs> we put all that, uh, put your smoothie ingredients in. Well, it is funny because when you come to my, uh, th- this flat, our flat, when you come here, you can kind of look and be like, oh, okay, so you've been shopping at Marshall's. Because all of my dishware, pretty much everything is some kind of, some, Sort of Halloween themed. Yeah, and I've also, there's a quota on mugs now because all your mugs will eventually just go into also a box. Also have skulls They all skeletons. have skulls on, but I tell you, once you drink out of China, you can't ever go back, babe. <laughs> like, I really miss my Elvis mugs so much. I like my, I like my skeleton mugs. It's what skeleton's doing yoga. Um, no. <laughs> I don't have that one. But I do have a bunch of skull mugs, and I think I have some bat mugs too. I'm not sure. Anyway, I buy a lot of, Halloween bric-a-brac at For Marshall's. all year long. It yeah. lasts all year. Yeah. But it's starting earlier. Like, uh, I remember this year, I went it went to Marshall's in, like, August. Just kind of stopped by. I forgot why I was going there. And, um, yeah, they already had Halloween shit in August. So for the Brits, Marshall's is essentially like a TK Maxx. They have TK Maxx here, but it's called TJ Maxx. And Marshall's, TJ Maxx, and Ross are all kind of very similar but there's different levels of like how posh they are. I think I think Ross is, is, the, lowest. is the lowest in, yeah. in the hierarchy of, um, of the shitty free. resale stores. I think Ross is at the bottom, then maybe Marshalls and TJ Maxx, but they're pretty close. Yeah, very similar. And I Nordstrom feel. racks above both of those. Yeah, and I think Target's above them as well. No, I think Target's I think? A, Target's a different kind of entity. Well, yeah, because it has food. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a it's a bit different. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think we, we do need to do some more Halloween activities next week. I think we have some Halloween stuff going on. Oh, it's jam packed next weekend. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I think over the, the course of this month, there's other Halloween type shit I want to go to. Um, but, but, but one of the, one of the ways I guess we can enjoy Halloween, get into the spirit is by watching horror films, which we've been doing. We have. Um, So last week, inspired by last week's show, um, what we watched the grudge, Juon. Yeah. And um and uh what was that one one missed call? Um there's a couple other Japanese uh, horror films on the list. But then this week we checked out a new Australian horror film that everyone seems to have a boner for. Talk to me. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. That, that's the thing with Australians. Aussies do horror very well, much like the French and Japanese. Well, one of my favorite all-time favorite like top 10 horror films is Wake and Fright. I just don't think that could have been made in any other country. Obviously, it's written by, is it Kenneth Cook who wrote the book, I think? Kenneth Cook I think who so. wrote he's, the book? Yeah, and he's yeah. an Aussie. And that, that, yeah. that movie's so Australian, though. 
my favorite scene in that and like every so often it just pops into my head is the scene in the bar where it's all just these australian men in their white shirts drinking beer and it's fucking red hot and they're all just fitzing they're sweating it's like one of the greatest scenes in cinema it's history. like porn for kate you Watch cannot tell sweaty australian men drinking fosters in a bar in the outback yeah love it and you also can't ruin the ending because the ending of that movie is one of the best the ending is great and the ending yeah. is great but that's the thing with aussie horrors it's just very original. It's very gory. Yeah. And uh and oftentimes scary. Am I uh, not pretty? Yeah, enough? the loved ones. That was that was a very original <laughs> horror movie. Very gory. Uh Wolf Creek. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Picnic and Hanging Rock. I, I need to watch that one again. I wouldn't really say Picnic at Hanging Rock is like a horror. It's more like a supernatural horror. But that's again one of my favorite paranormal films. Yeah, it's um, really good. Road games. A lot of people don't know that one. Love road games. Oh, so a, a young Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee, and she's yes. really hot in that. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Wesky's seen that movie at least five. I wonder or ten if that times. was before or after the surgery. Because remember, she's you know Stop her this. No, don't and- do this. <laughs> Me, Wesky, and the Swede will all punch you. No, I think that. that's why Wasky likes her so much <laughs> is because she used to have a little nubbin of a penis. She's fucking good. Um, I love you, yeah, But She was super hot in uh, Rogue Games despite her uh, genital mix-up. Fuck you. Um, Bad Boy <laughs> Bubby. You ever see oh, that one? Oh, that's a classic as well. Total yeah, classic. Now, I wouldn't even say that's horror as much as just like Australian's version of Gummo. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> And it great, predated though. Gummo too. Yeah, I bet you inspired Gummo. But talk to me was a great movie. You know, I know everybody's been raving about it and it's gotten great ratings and all that, but um, I really dug it. It was a good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it, especially for like a whole cast of, un- I mean, maybe they're known in Australia. Maybe they came off like Home and Away or Neighbours or whatever, but there's not an actor in there that I knew. I think Sophie Wilde is a famous one. She plays Mia. She's right. the main actress. Is she? She's yeah. so young though. She's young, but I think she's been in, been in other, other films. Away. Yeah. Home and, and away. Yeah, and I think she's been in other Australian films. But what's interesting about this movie, it's the directorial debut of YouTuber twins, Danny and Michael Philip Poe. I don't know how to say their name. Oh. Do you, you ever hear about these guys? No. So they ran, they created a YouTube channel called Raka Raka. Okay. An Australian YouTube channel. And uh, it's known for their kind of live action horror comedy videos. But they began by filming their backyard wrestling matches awesome. with their close friends in Adelaide. This is like when they were like 11 or 12. Um, inspired by the WWE, but Obviously. I mean, yeah, they would crash into furniture, flipping kids over, bashing them, like pile driving each other into the ground cool. and like jumping off the roof. Yeah, we all did like this body slamming. Yeah, Didn't it, you do this? We did. Oh yeah, no, we, did, we definitely did this. We never filmed it. We filmed it because we had my dad's huge video camera. Um, but uh, just for fun. But, but yeah, it's, we, it's amazing that you, no one ever like broke a neck. Well, I love the fact that they say before wrestling, don't limbs. try this at home, kids. <laughs> Every kid in the world who watches wrestling is wrestling in their bedroom after watching wrestling. Well, I think every kid has probably smashed like a, you know, a fold up chair oh, fuck across yeah. their brother's back at least once. Um, but this this movie though is a fresh new spin on the uh, the, the classic tale of possession. It's really good. Um, so, so Sophie Wilde, um, who uh, plays plays the main character Mia, she attends a séance where the attendees and these are all like teens that they're friends with are encouraged to grab hold of an embalmed hand, this tattooed, like severed hand, 
and then welcome a spirit into their souls. And the results are the results are bizarre. Like I would have definitely have done this if uh, you know if I was you know hanging out with with my friends and someone was like, oh yeah, we got this corpse hand, you know, belonged to a hobo uh, that was like savagely murdered. But if you say something to it, you know, it'll do things. Of course, I would have done this. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so anyway, they, they had bizarre results, and they would film what happened for whatever for social media but then things start to go a bit wrong uh-huh. when uh the main character stays under the influence for a bit too long i don't want to ruin anything about it but uh it's the ending good. was great it's very good too. Uh, it's, yeah. A, yeah, it's a very good movie uh, but it, it was very reminiscent of those kind of spooky sort of halloween games like the the ritual games that we we played as a kid yeah yeah so you know the first one that came to mind is like bloody mary I think every kid has played Bloody Mary. Yeah, we're going to get into the history of that in a bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where you try to summon the ghost of Bloody Mary in the bathroom mirror, like, like the movie Candyman. Um, you know, but they, these these games, like Bloody Mary, we're going to talk about this. It's kind of the theme of the show this week is to kind of get into, um, Kate, Kate did all this research into all the different type of ritual games that are out there, especially new ones. And and a lot of them are from Japan, which I never even heard of those. Yeah. So, I mean, we, Korea. Ba- we banged on about Japan last week and we're going to bang on about Japan this week. So get ready for it, Adam from Tokyo. <laughs> it's going to happen again. I like how you challenge him every episode. Well, every time I'm going to mention the J word, J-Pan, he's going to have to be involved now. <laughs> Not all of the uh, these ritual games are from Japan, but there's a couple. They have a few out there. Yeah, they and really they have do. a couple from Korea as well. Uh, but I mean, these games have been around for a long time. I mean, look at Ouija boards. They've been around since what? The, like the late 19th century? Yeah, 1800s. Did you ever, did you ever have a, a Ouija board when you were a kid? No, because they were hard to get a hold of. Obviously, life for the internet was hard to get a hold of, like a decent Ouija board. But now, like, I mean, they print Ouija boards on anything. They're such a novelty item. You can get a Ouija board, like, anywhere. I remember Sleazy E got me an Ozzy Osbourne one from the 80s. It's pretty rad. I like it. Yeah, it's probably the coolest thing you ever got me. Should we use it? Yeah, you know, I was thinking we should like film a uh, a reel or something with the Ouija board. Yeah, Try and put and it up on the Patreon. Harrison. Yeah, or whatever spirit. I don't know. Oh, Randy Rhodes. How about Lemmy? Randy Rhodes, because it's the Aussie, Aussie in the eighties. And we could we could try to contact uh, Randy. That'd be great. Yeah. I've never actually used it. It's just that. Yeah, it's there. really cool. I just I've just never used it. So maybe we'll we'll bust that out. Um. But anyway, yeah, we get into all the creepy ritual games this week that you that some of you might have might have played as a kid, and then others you probably have never heard of. But before we get into all of that, let's chat about something much more horrifying than an Australian <laughs> slasher flick. Uh-huh. The sick and wrong patron. Yeah. <laughs> um, people, if you listen to the show every week, and I know a lot of you do, and I know a lot of you like what we do, all we ask for you is to sign up for the sick and wrong patron, support the show kick us down a couple bucks it's not that much it's like five dollars a month i don't know if you've noticed it but patron has had a major revamp as well and especially on your phone it's like the app slicker yeah it's way slicker and sleeker and you can do this thing called collections now which i've been slowly doing which is where you can collect all your posts so then you can just click on there on the patron app it's really easy It, it makes so much sense wait as a user you can make your own collection no no i like I'm doing that currently. Okay, as a creator, you can make a collection Collections. of different things. So, so, it's, so it's like instead of searching for keywords, you just have collections. Right. So up there, I've done all of the Fistful of Steels. 
uh, so far, Rampage Radio. I think I've done Overkill. I can't remember. I've done a few. But that's on the app, and it's yeah, really easy to use. We have a lot of content that Harrison did as well, so we can... Um, oh, yeah, I should get a picture of Harrison. Yeah, we should maybe uh, put up some of those uh, those collection, those collections, the Harrison collections. Uh, but yeah, they, they've done a lot of stuff on the app. But that's the thing, though. You know, you can support the show not only on Patreon. You can support the show on uh, Apple Podcasts now. Um, which I know a lot of people just don't want to deal with the downloading another app and putting yeah. it on their phone. Whereas Apple Podcasts is just you already have the app on your phone. Um, so you can sign up for Sick and Wrong Second Show uh, uh, through that platform as well. Only $5 a month. You get a full second show every week. Um, this week, uh, we, we chatted about Kate going to the dentist, a yeah. U.S. dentist. I did. It was wonderful. Getting a Yankee smile. I'm, I'm on the road to it. Um, uh, we also get into uh, the details surrounding our fun-filled Manson-themed re- weekend, um, where we actually had dinner at Sharon Tate's booth at El Coyote. I love how excited all of us were as soon as the guy was like, and it's Sharon Tate's booth, like a meme we were like, I know! <laughs> I know, it was like when they were, they were taking, because initially they told me it was booked. And then they were taking us over there, and I was like, oh, my God, this Sharon Tate's booth. Yeah, we were all super excited. Yeah, it's like the one in the corner, and it's a huge booth, too. It's got to be like for like 10 people. Yeah, and we yeah. got it. And then the next day, our uh, daytime outing over to Spawn Ranch in uh, Chatsworth. Uh, that's only $5 a month. You get access to Sick and Wrong and Patron, um, the second show, and you get access to the official Sick and Wrong Discord. A lot of camaraderie happening there recently. You guys are doing a cultural exchange. Oh, yeah, we are. It's like a secret Santa, it sounds like. Yeah, but before Christmas. So Let's call it a secret Satan. It's a snack exchange mainly. So all the, it's, I think we're all just sending each other a lot of snacks. I'm not quite sure yet because I have not received my parcel, but I've been buying for my person all week. So how did you decide who would be each other's secret Satan? Did uh, some, did you pick names out of like a virtual hat or I've, something? No, I've got to say thanks to Queer Punkin. Uh, they sorted it all and they did all the hard work. I, I've done for, I, I was the first person to say like, I can't do this because I can't be trusted with this type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd ever be able to pull it off. So uh, kudos to you there, Queer Pumpkin. Um Anyway, maybe we'll, we'll when when you get your your care package or whatever, we'll have to go through it and uh, talk about it on the show. Oh fuck yeah! I'm yeah. gonna take pictures of what I send and then what I receive as well. It's so heartwarming. It Sick is. and wrong fans, soft and warm, <laughs> just being soft, soft and, and warm, warm with on each the other. Discord. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we do appreciate you supporting the show. For a few dollars more, you get access to some, some of the other bonus features on that Patreon, such as the Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our. Uh, our bonus mini show that Kate Rambo does, um, Serial Killer Star Signs, as well as the archives. We've got the first 10 years on uh, SoundCloud playlists all available on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Um, sign up today. We do appreciate it. Let me play this quick promo. And then, uh, yeah, let's, let's chat about uh, some of these uh, horrific ritual games we played as a kid. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. All right, so you guys listen to Dave Matthews. You yeah, got a water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, and She's then, like, come to the boudoir. Right, right. The boudoir. The, <laughs> the boudoir. Right, right. <laughs> so you, she, is, she is the type of woman who would call it a boudoir. Right. So, so you go in there. When did you see, first encounter the smell? Uh, I think it's like when I pulled off her pants. 
Oh, so you pull their panties down. Wow, just when and you, I, what, pants or panties? No, 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 panties are trousers here. Panties still on. Strong whiff. Oh, through Whoa. the panties. Yeah. That's intense. That's intense. Right. That's intense. And I noticed. And so you're like, I got to go further. And I was like, I got to get my head in there. (laughs) I got to put my tongue in that. (laughs) I got to inspect a little closer. (laughs) I got to find Nemo. (laughs) For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever so I want to give a big shout out to the very well written and researched ghostinmymachine.com. I got like, um, it's like every game, every supernatural game ever is on there. So I had a lot of fun just going through and like picking the ones that I thought sounded cool. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to check it out. So if you are like, you know, I'm an elder millennial. You're a, are you a Gen X? You're Gen X. I'm Gen you? X. Yeah. And what's the one above it? Is it boomers above Gen X? I think it went boomers, then Generation Gen X. Then, then millennials. Uh, yeah, then millennials and Gen Z. And then I don't know confusing. what they are now. Oh. I forget what they are now. Yeah, Gen Z. Oh, no, what's Aussie? Isn't he a No, a, there's a new generation after Gen Z. I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, whatever, the kids. Yeah. So, like, we remember growing up with board games. Like... Did you play board games when you when you were a young boy? You know, I have to admit, I hate fucking board games. I hated board games as a kid. I'm not bad at them. I'm really good. I'm really good at trivial. Oh, I loved I'm bo- really good at Trivial Pursuit. Fucking hate playing it. I hate the act of playing it. Oh. I hate everything about board games. I also am not a huge fan of card games either. Um. Well, I love bo- I love a lot of board games, especially from a kid. It, some of the board games we used to play. I used to have this dinosaur game, which I can't remember what it was, but it had a huge volcano, and you were the t- and there was all these T Rexes, and you had to basically get over the board before the volcano blew up. I've never even heard of that. That was a really cool one. I remember that. Um, it must be a really British game. I don't know, mate. Do you guys have Risk? Yeah, we have Risk. I never really played Risk, and like I like Trivial Pursuit, but it's just a. Sometimes, if you play a really out of date Trivial Pursuit, it gets really hard. Like if you play one from the seventies, because it's all kind of like a lot of. Some of it is like stuff that's going on in the seventies. You're like, yeah, it's cultural. Who is Lord Mountalban? I think that's like, why I'm pretty good at it because unless it's like a newer version, um, I hate Cards Against Humanity. I, I love Cards Against Humanity. Oh I just think God. you've played it with the wrong people, and we're going to play it with the right people. I'd rather soon. masturbate with a handful of glass. Whatever, D. It's a great drinking game. I love it. We also so we saw games go from like being like Risk to then they became D and D Roll Top. Yeah. Role-playing games, games, yeah. Yeah, so that was a big shift. But for my generation, things got very spooky because we got Nightmare, which was also called Atmosphere, and this was released in Australia in 1991. So did you ever play this? This is so big. I've heard of Nightmare, but I don't think I ever played it. Yeah, so essentially you just play along to a video cassette of the gatekeeper, and the aim of the game is to beat the timer and you're not get caught by this like spooky host. The game did super well. It sold over 4 million units. Well, I don't understand. Is it like the Crypt Keeper and he'll yell at you? He has a you... hood. He's like a creepy kind of like old man in a hood. Like a Grim Reaper. And he'll be like, stop. And there'll be like a lightning bolt. And he'll be like, the player to the left of you must give you all his coins. And you're like, fucking yeah, give me all your coins, bitch. Fucking says. So it's just a video cassette. What? 
Well, how does it know? So it's almost like musical chairs, like there's music and then it's, he it's says all atmospheric. Stop. Yeah, yeah. And it's like he's in there and you, you've just got to go and then occasionally he'll come up and he might just kick you out of the game. Wow. I you think know, there was one where it was like whoever's turn it is now, you're, you're done. We need to make a new game like this, but with a bot from Immortal. Oh, God, you love a bot. <laughs> yeah, my, but do you know how amazing that game would be? All Mortis black would metal. be good as well. Oh, yeah, Mortis oh my God, would be good. All black metal. Black metal music. Nightmare. And he's like, stop. Yeah, That'd that would be, great. be really cool. All, All right, right, I'm with you on that. It's TMing. We're TMing that idea. <laughs> These games are like totally harmless in their nature. No one is breaking down walls to the spirit realm. Although you could use the ever popular Ouija board to do just that. So this is patented by businessman Elijah Bond in Ohio, of all places, in 1886. I had no idea. It's actually from the Midwest. From, from Ohio, I know. In the late 19th century. I mean, they've, they've been around for a while. So the myth that it was named for the French oui and the German ja has only added to its law, but it actually got its name uh, when the medium Helen Peters Noseworthy, a.k.a. the mother of the Ouija board, asked the board to name itself. And when she asked what the word meant, it responded with good luck. So she named it, essentially. Oh, okay. So it was feared by God botherers. It's admired by Crowley. The Ouija board is like the apple pie of the spirit world, where it's safe for teenage kids to cram themselves into a dark room, light a bunch of candles, and act out some scary fantasies. And we've all seen those movies, haven't we? Where the kids unleash a demon, the kids have to put the demon back in the board. It's successful, but we really know it's a metaphor for losing your virginity and getting your first period and all that good stuff. You know, Sometime. I'm sure the Christians hated that game. I'm sure they still they hate still the Ouija do, board. Yeah. And we'll consider you'll be satanic for having an Ozzy Osbourne Ouija board <laughs> in the house. Even worse. Times have changed, though, haven't they, man? No one uses the Ouija board to contact the dead anymore. Not even Adolf Hitler in Steptoe and Son. Can you remember that episode? Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that. There's an episode of Steptoe and Son where they use a, uh, a Ouija board to contact, to contact Hitler. And they contact Hitler. That's an amazing premise. It is. It's a modern world, in it? And ever since Candyman dropped his curse, it's now even easier to reach the other side. So everyone, I've pretty, I'm assuming that all of you have seen Candyman. If you've not seen Candyman, you just need to go stop listening to this and go fucking watch Candyman. Just get out of work. Just you know, go see Candyman. I actually enjoyed the, uh, it wasn't a remake. I couldn't The do new it. one. Yeah, the, the, the twist that they had on it, I thought it was, they actually did a good job with the, with the new Candyman. I just couldn't do it. It was so fucking woke. The, the first 40 it. minutes of that. You didn't even watch the rest of the movie, though. No, I did hear that after the 45-minute mark that it starts to get really cool. It got but good. But all up until that, I just it was just like I couldn't get past it. It was shite. Yeah, it was, it was a good really- movie. And, and, they, and I got to say it was original, too. I thought Because taking a horror franchise and having to do an original version, like they tried to do that with Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan. Um, but this... but. You know, I was surprised going into it. I was definitely dubious. But going into it, I was like, actually, they made a, a pretty decent movie out of it. So the vengeful ghost of a slave in Candyman is fictitious, but it's actually based on a real life murder. On the night of April the 22nd, 1987, a terrified roofie called 911 to request help from the police. She told the dispatcher that someone in the apartment next door was trying to come through her bathroom mirror. Oh, I was going to do a really racist impression then, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say she said they throwed the cabinet down. <clears throat> this confused the dispatcher. The dispatcher thought she was crazy. But little did the dispatcher know that Rufy was actually right because there was narrow passageways between the apartments and they're handy for maintenance workers. But they've also become a popular way for burglars to break in by pushing the cabinet out the wall, which is totally what happens in Candyman. 
Did they mention where this happened, where Ruthie was? Was she it's actually in, sh- in Chicago? Uh, yeah, it's Chicago. Oh, so this was, okay, so, yeah. the, so the setting for Candyman's Cabrini Green, the old uh, projects that have been torn down um, in Chicago. And, and I just didn't realize that this actually was based on a true story. Yeah, she was shot four times. She's discovered face down and very dead by the building super two days later. It was an absolute clusterfuck of an investigation, but this is the murder that inspired Clive Barker to pen the forbidden, where one can summon the demon by repeating his name a whole bunch of times into the mirror, and the movie took the Liverpool-based literally boogeyman to Hollywood's first horror icon of the 90s. Long before the internet, it kind of posed the question of moviegoers and book readers alike, would you say the potentially deadly incantation? And we all have. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, everybody, when that movie came out, everybody said Candyman five times in the mirror. Or it's like the first time you see it, you just, you go and do it. It's like, you have to. I still do it every Saturday night. <laughs> I just want someone to talk to. Aww. You know? Lovely. So Candyman, like you said before, it's based around the most famous of all the ghostly games, and that's Bloody Mary. And uh, the origins of this game are unclear, but it's been enjoyed by many generations at slumber parties, and it doesn't show any sign of stopping. So some say that the game was named for the spirit of uh, Mary First of England, a.k.a. Bloody Mary, whose favorite pastime was murdering Protestants. She is, however, not to be confused with Mary Queen of Scots, who was an actual flower, the likes of which we'll never see again. Hail Scotland. Or the game could have been named for Mary Wharf. She's cool, right? So she's a witch and she lived in Chicago at the time of the Civil War. Um, She's also not to be confused with the long-running comic strip of the same name either. Ugh, I know that one. Yeah. Mary probably wasn't a witch. She was just an old lady who preferred to live by herself in a small cabin in the woods with her cats. I can relate to all this. And she sold her potions for profit, right? But the locals were scared of her, and when young girls started going missing, they searched her mysterious cabin and found that Mary was no longer no longer old and haggard. She was once again young and beautiful and vibrant. So she's kind of like the Countess Bathory here. Yeah, of Chicago. She is eventually burnt at the stake, and she entered into folklore fame when her spirit would return to seek revenge. Although, you know, behind her cabin, they did find rows upon rows of unmarked graves. The tiny skeletons of the missing girls were buried beneath the surface. So wait, did she bathe in their blood? Yeah, of course she did. She's a queen. <laughs> I'm with her. Get the kids off the street, man. Hey, I mean, that's, that's if you, you know, being beautiful, sometimes you have to make difficult choices. You do. You know? So how does Bloody Mary get her revenge across the slumber parties and college frat houses across the land? Well, if you chant her name, it's either three or 13 times into a mirror. 13? Yeah, it <laughs> depends. That's a lot. That's a, it's a lot. It, well, in the original, in The Forbidden, because I've read uh, The Forbidden, I remember, he, I think he does it 15 times. 15 times? Yeah. Can you man, can you man, can you man, can you man? You'd be like, oh, fuck this, I'm off to bed, mate. Yeah. Yeah. They say that her witch will appear, she's going to claim your soul for her own, and she rips you to shreds in the process, aka Bloody Mary, and she's going to leave your soul to burn, and you're going to be trapped for an eternity inside the mirror with her. Although this has never happened to anyone I know. Another housebound game, and one that has its roots in Japan, is the bath game, which is a deadly version of red light, green light. We used to play red light, green light, but we called it all different types of things. Wait, red light, green light... uh... Was that the game where 
two kids were kind of, or a group of kids were facing off between each other. It'd be like six horizontal and you go red light, green light, and you move and you stop. That's British Bulldog. Okay, I'm thinking of a different game. Yeah. Yeah. Red light, green light is be like you'd have, this is how I, we played red light, green light. It would be like you would have one kid face a wall and then you'd be saying red light, red light, and then they'd go green light. And if you don't stop, or it's the other way around, if you don't stop, then they've caught you. And they the aim the, is to get as close to them without without them catching it. They they did that game in Squid Game. Did, oh yeah, they did. Yeah, they did yeah. in Squid I've Game. I've forgotten about Squid Game. Um, and this follows the basic rules of a Japanese kids game called a Daramasan Kagoronda. There you go, Adam from Tokyo. Which means the Daruma doll fell down. So the player is it with the Daruma-san attempting to catch it, which you should never, ever let happen. We know that. What did we? What's a Daruma doll look like? I don't know. It's probably just a weird Japanese doll, isn't it? Everything's a bit But weird I mean, is there. it like demonic looking or is it like one of their fuck pillows? <laughs> Imagine if it is one of their fuck pillows. Because I wouldn't catch it. I would, let, I would just let it drop. Oh, this is interesting looking. It kind of looks like... Uh, Oh, what are see. those things? Like you know those um those little oh, it Russian... looks like a Russian doll. Yeah, those apparently, Russian dolls. Apparently you can't say Russian dolls anymore. Why would you say? I don't know, but apparently it's offensive to say Russian dolls in this day and age in twenty twenty three. But I'm still calling them Russian doll. I have an Elvis Russian doll. It's just yeah, really... it's like the Russian doll when you open up and there's a smaller one. I forget what those are called. Okay. So all a person needs to play this game is a bathtub in a bathroom and you can't substitute a shower cubicle. It has to be a bath. The ritual begins at night. You're going to get naked. You're going to enter the bathroom. You're going to fill the bathtub up with water and you're going to turn out all the lights. You have to close your eyes. You have to begin washing your hair. And as you wash your hair, you have to repeat the words, Darum-san fell down. Darum-san fell down. Probably in that Japanese girl voice as well. You've got to not stop repeating them until you have finished washing your hair and again, do not open your eyes. So if you've performed the ritual properly, a mental image of a Japanese woman standing in a bathtub will appear. She will slip and she will fall. She lands face first on the rusty taps at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the bath and she gouges her eye out. Well, this is terrifying. Well, Little kids played this. Yeah. Should you hear a noise or feel any movement in the bathtub, do not turn around. Do not open your eyes. You must ask aloud, why did you fall in the bathtub? You've got to keep your eyes shut. You should slowly stand up, get out of the bath. Do not trip and fall yourself and do not drain the tub. You've got to leave the bathroom, shut the door behind you. Once outside, you can now open your eyes. You can leave the bathroom alone, but you should go straight to bed and sleep. Wait, when do you towel off? Like, are you just walking around naked? Well, I mean, it is your house. Yeah, but what if you live with your parents? Well, you just wait until they're not around. And you just oh, you walk could just have a bath. But I mean, you're going to be wet. You're going to be like, you know, dripping water everywhere. I like how you're thinking about this in practicality terms. I, I'm just, you know, I, I don't want, you know, don't want to make people slip on the floor outside the bathroom. Yeah. Don't want to show people down. my dick, <laughs> you know, like inadvertently. So this game begins the moment you open your eyes in the morning. So just go about your day as normal, even though you're going to feel a constant presence behind you. And occasional glances over your right shoulder might bring you glimpses of her. And she has black and tangled hair and she only has one eye. <laughs> this is horrifying. Throughout so the- <laughs> this, this game actually kind of, it's not just like a game that you do while you're stoned in the bathtub. It lasts for days. You'll see how it ends. All right. right. She's going to attempt to get closer to you throughout the day. But if you spot her and she's too close, you shout out, Tomare. 
which means stop. And you can run away and you can put some distance between you and her because you must never, ever allow her to catch you. But you can only use tamare sparingly because each time you use it, the power of it will diminish. Before midnight, you must perform the end ritual. You must again capture her by looking over your right shoulder. And this time you must shout kita, which means I cut you loose. And you've got to swing your arm up and down in like a chopping motion while you do this. Kita. Do you get it? Only time will tell if you've performed it correctly, because if you haven't, she kind of knows that you want to end the game and she's going to hide out of your sight to avoid it before midnight. And if you haven't, she's going to enter your dreams and eventually you're going to be the one that falls in the bathtub and loses your eye. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty fun There's one, I thought. Um, it's kind of like, it reminds me of It Follows. Oh, that's such a good movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. This kind of reminds me, like, this thing is basically following you. And you can't ever day. get away from it. And yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it's sort of like a zombie, but it's ghosts because, you know, it's, you, no one else can see it but you. Yeah, this would be a good movie, I thought, when I found the bathtub one. Yeah, I kind of like this. This is the bathtub game. But Dee, if you are lonely and you want some company, there's a game just for you. It's also known as Don't Look Black, and this is the hosting game. And this is going to bring all sorts of uninvited guests. So all you need is yourself. You need an empty room in your house or your flat, which will then become the hosting room. Ideally, it should have no windows, but if it does, you must block out all light from entering the room. You will need paper and a pen, a clock, or any other analog time teething device. You cannot use a mobile phone. You can't use a digital watch. You're also going to need free matches. All right. Fair enough. So you got to keep the watch and the matches on you. You begin at night. You turn off anything that can make a source of noise in your house, like record players or Sphinx cats. And you got to enter your hosting room and turn on a light and place your pen and paper in the room. Leave the room, leave the light on, and you're going to go to the furthest point in your home that's away from the room, and you're going to call out, I'll be ready soon. And you've got to move into each room, repeating the phrase, moving closer to the hosting room of each call. When you arrive back to the hosting room, right on the piece of paper, you are invited. A gathering hosted by David, whatever your name is, takes place from whatever the time is now to an hour away from the time. So if it's like you're starting this ritual at 11, you'd be like, I'm starting at 11 p.m. It ends at midnight. Bring your friends. So wait a second. Do you have to know these people? Or do they have to be dead or living? You'll see. Do, could they be famous people? You'll see. Okay. So you're going to place the piece of paper in the middle of the room. You're going to stand in the doorway and you're going to call, I'm ready. Come on in which seems very dangerous. You're going to turn off the light. You're going to turn around with the hosting room behind you. You're going to take out your free matches. And after you, be- after a few moments, you're going to begin counting out loud, starting at one and ending at 10 and never looking back. When you reach 10, you strike the first match. So if the first match lights on the first strike, hold it as it burns and greet your guests by saying, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you so much for coming. And you hold the match for as long as it burns, like until you can't, you know, it burns to your fingertips. If the first match doesn't strike, then try the next match. And if that doesn't strike, then you strike the third match. And if that lights, you must say, now everyone is here. And you count from one to 10. And if you've done the ritual properly, you will now hear whispering, rustling, or people saying thank you behind you, but you should never look back at them. What happens if you look back? They'll take you into the spirit world, into the spirit realm. Okay, so they're just, these are like nefarious spirits, just kind of, you know, 
hanging out, you know, hanging well, out behind you, ready to come and grab unless you. Unless you look at them, then they're nefarious. Well, but these aren't your friends, then you're or like you know deceased people that you knew. Well, we shouldn't be contacting the dead, anyways. We shouldn't be breaking into the spirit realm. Well, that's it's not the thing our world. that I never understood with like the Ouija boards or games like this. It's like, how do you know which spirit you're contacting? You don't. That's... What if you get like the spirit of Jeffrey Dahmer or something? Oh, you know who the spirit I would love to contact? Liberace. That would be a funny spirit. He would to be a great spirit yeah. to contact. Like if you had like a you know Ouija boy that only could contact Liberace. I bet there's a, we should make um, TM. We're gonna make like a Liberace rhinestone Ouija board. I bet you that would sell, but we'd probably get sued. Nah. I'm sure there's licensing issues. Yeah. When your watch says that an hour has passed, you must say out loud, thank you for coming and goodbye. And then you walk to the nearest light source and you turn it on. The gathering is over and your mysterious guests should be gone. But if the third match doesn't strike, then your room is now filled with uninvited guests. You must not look back. Do not turn around. Do not pause to close the door. Run to the nearest light and turn it on. You've got a room full of ghosts. You just basically have a room full of spirits. And you don't know if they're evil they're evil okay so all spirit we're just assuming all spirits are evil all spirits here. are evil they're all not right. nice this doesn't mean the uninvited guests have gone though you should perform a cleansing ritual inside your home and avoid any unlit rooms from now on so you're kind of cursing your house if you yeah, do this wrong why, why would you do this well some people are idiots <laughs> yeah then you gotta go get the rabbi to come over yeah. and exercise all the ghosts it's so nice to see the rabbi though when's the last time you had him over for some tea and biscuits like you know that, get him in I mean he's been dead a long time but I I just don't know what I mean. You're, you're, yeah, you're cursing your your home. Exactly. Yeah. But at the I same time, you've that. got a room full of ghosts, which is pretty neato. Nobody's gonna want to stay in that room. So wait, what happens if you're like live streaming? The thing about all these games are, if you type them into YouTube, hundreds of people doing them. Okay, you can actually. We should watch some of these. Are are they just kind of lame? I did watch one for the anticlimactic. There's one at the end. That I talk about this YouTuber on. All right. So another game that requires matches and balls of steel is the closet game, uh, which Jeffrey was once in, your brother, the closet game. <laughs> this game is creepypasta in its purest form. It's pretty modern too. It emerged onto the internet in around 2000, 2009. But the idea of the monster being in the closet, it's as tale as old as time, isn't it? The trope of a monster in your closet appears in pretty much every culture across the globe. And if the bogeyman isn't in your closet, well, he's under your bed. He represents the primal fear of the dark and the fear of the unknown and what may lurk there. This is a game for those that like to tempt fate and for those who want to have a supernatural pissing contest. And all you need is yourself, a closet, and just one match this time. So most of these games, though, are you supposed to play in groups or are these like solo activities? A lot of them are solo, but uh, there's a few where you need like a couple of other people. I, th- I think it'd be more fun to do it as like a party type game. Oh, Like totally. a Ouija board, you usually do it with more people. Yeah, and Bloody Mary, you do with like a bunch of people. Candy bomb. Yeah. So again, you're going to begin at night. You're going to turn out all the lights. You're going to climb inside your closet. There should be no light visible either inside or out. And you're going to stand in the darkness for at least two minutes. Do not move and do not make a sound. If you hear nothing, do not turn around and wait. If you hear whispers in the darkness, you're going to light the match. You're going to wait. And if you've made it this far, you can open the closet door. You can close the door, but you must never look inside. And do not fail to light the match because you don't want to know what will happen if you don't. I actually don't know what will happen if you don't. (laughs) I was wondering about that. What will happen? (laughs) 
If you make it out, don't ever look inside the closet ever again and not without all the lights burning brightly. But if you do, you might see two points of light gleaming out of the darkness, glowing like the tips of a pair of lit matches. They might be eyes, but they might not be. What what if your leather jackets are in the closet? You'd have to do it in a closet that you just don't use. And so you'll just never use that closet ever again. Yeah, because it's not, it's got a demon in there. So (laughs) So this is my hosting room full of ghosts, and this is my demon closet. (laughs) Yeah, what if you have a guest come over? It's like, don't go in that closet. Don't go in that room. There's good ghosts. That's going to be problematic. Some people who have said they've completed the ritual have said that they hear strange sounds coming from within the closet, especially if they leave the closet door open at night. But they're obviously not going to look in because they might not be alive again. If they do, going outside the home and we're going to introduce some modern technology. One of the more modern games is something that Elisa Lam might have been playing. And that's the elevator game that is often misrepresented as being South Korean. But it's their raw fish eating neighbors to the south that invented the button smashing ritual. When you say Elisa Lam, she's the one from uh, the Hotel Cecil, right? Yeah, yeah. The mentalist. uh, Yeah, the mentalist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, that's mean to call her that. She really did have a mental disorder, but she was a mentalist. Well, she was a mentalist, but I think, did she commit suicide? Yeah, in the, she the killed sister? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sad. But everyone says it's ghosts. It's ghost not, Ghosts did it. It's The not. ghosts. No ghosts did it. The set of rules are pretty simple for this one. So you're instructed to get into an elevator. You've got to be alone. You're going to go into a building with at least 10 floors. And this is the order you're going to visit the floors in. You're going to visit the fourth then the second, the sixth, the second again, the tenth, and the fifth floors in that order. Whilst you're at the fifth floor, you press the button for the first floor, which should send the elevator into absolute spaz attack, and you'll rise to the tenth floor, and then the doors finally open, but they're going to open out into another world, i.e. the spirit realm. Well, this is a difficult game to play because you, you have to... You just got to remember the sequence. Yeah, but I mean, it's a complicated sequence, but at the same time, what you have to... Make sure that no one else is in the building that wants to ride the elevator. Yeah, do it at night. So you have to do it really late at night. Like 4 a.m.-ish. But if someone else got in the elevator right before you're going up the top, would you both be in the spirit world then? No, I don't oh, think. Oh, it would break the game. Yeah, it would break it. Because I would be so annoyed. Like oh, if, yeah. if I got in the elevator and it's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who the fuck? I'm where, a- where are we? <laughs> I don't think I could play this game because I'm really bad with remembering sequences of numbers. So I would probably just end up button mashing them all. Yeah, I would be annoyed. I yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could remember this combination. I'd probably keep fucking it up and then I'd be like, fuck this. And Go just smoke weed. Going home. So they say a young woman might enter the elevator at the fifth floor. You must not speak to her uh, as this person is not a person. She is there to help guide you to the other world. Is she fit? Um, well, I mean, yeah, she's Japanese. Japanese women are pretty fit. All right, I'm down. Yeah. What happens next is unknown, as no one has ever come back alive. I wish Vincent Price was here narrating this. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be good. That would be good. Um, so wait, so no one's ever done this. There's no one filming this? On YouTube, On YouTube? Is. Oh, see, yes. no one's gone to the spirit world. I'm looking this one up. So like Bloody Mary, this supernatural game possibly has its roots in real life. So in June of 2006, an elevator in the Manato ward of Tokyo malfunctioned and it began to ascend with its doors open, which caused the death of a 16-year-old high school student. 
The investigation which follows found that the accident was just one of several in recent instances in Japan where a specific elevator manufacturer malfunctioned at a specific time frame. Like it would get to, I don't know, I've been working my ass off all day. I just need to sit down. <laughs> it would just fucking collapse to the floor. And it would just, wait, it would just fall straight to the floor. Yeah. And people and, died. Okay. Well, yeah. Probably time to get a new elevator in that building or take the stairs. So the elevators have all since been replaced. But when Elisa Lam started button mashing at a Cecil Hotel, armchair detectives called it a murder, possibly by her own hand, where she wanted to reach a world that none of us can come back from. After all, most urban legends are often a form of coping mechanism, and it's easier to believe the fiction. And not that Elisa was suffering from major mental health episodes and her resulting suicide was more tragic than if the ghost of Ricky Mraz had played a part. Right? Right, Dee? Well, okay, so they're saying that she was trying to play this game. That's what some of them are saying. I don't think that was happening. Whilst we're talking about like ghosts of LA, I just want to do a little aside, a little fuck you to Tom O'Neill, who I think is a shyster, and a fuck you to Steve O'Dell, who is also a shyster. Both of them mentalists. Are, they, are these guys like uh, ghost hunters? No, Tom O'Neill wrote that stupid fucking book about Charles Manson, and Steve O'Dell thinks his dad murdered Elizabeth Short. They're both cunts. I just wanted to put that in there. What's their claim like to her. fame? Like we're, they're we're, just like I'm talking about Ricky Ramirez being like you know an LA ghost, and these two are just ghost fuckers. So you like just don't like them. these. You I just you wanted guys, to call out like that these I hate two both guys. of them. Yeah, okay. fuck them both. All right, <laughs> A little non sequitur there. <laughs> A lot of them are modern rituals. They're going to fall into two camps. So it's games you read about because they're good stories and games you read about because it seems like you might actually be able to play them. And the 11 miles ritual is definitely the former. There's also a secondary set of categories too, by which ritual pastors can be similarly divided. So you've got games that are made up internet shenanigans and games that stem from history or from some folklore. Here too, 11 miles is definitely the former, not to be confused with 8 mile the film of Eminem and Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. Well, you know, the, these games, though, that uh, you know, originated from the internet, um, creepypasta type games, these probably will be folklore. Yeah, you know, they're our folklore now. now. Yeah. yeah. Although this game is clearly fabrics, rituals involving journeys are well cemented in folklore and legends. The idea that you must travel to get your heart's desire. I mean, there's a really fucking long and very boring book some dry dude wrote about an Odyssey once. It's one of the worst books I've ever had to read. So for this game, you need yourself a vehicle, doesn't have to be a car though, and a deep wish or a desire. Again, you're going to begin on a road at night, um, a road that Robert Frost would say is not well-traveled. This road has to pass through some woods. The road you take to find the road in the woods must also pass through some woods. (laughs) (laughs) All right, once again, now it's getting needlessly complicated. This is a fun one, though, and I think this is this could be a film. So as you enter the woods, you've got to let your wish guide you to the road. And you will know the road when you see it. And when you see it, you are now ready to travel 11 miles. During the journey, you must not listen to the radio or a tape deck or any music. You shouldn't use your cell phone. You can't open the windows. You never go faster than 30 miles per hour. And you should buckle up. Because it's going to be a bumpy ride. No, that would be difficult for me. It would. All of those things would be difficult for you because you are guilty of doing all of those things. <laughs> Simultaneously. <laughs> At mile one, it may get cold and you can turn your heater on if you have it. If by mile two, you haven't already turned it on, you probably should because you'll regret it later. By mile three, you better ignore the shadows that look like humans in the trees. 
By mile four, ignore the voices that are coming from the shadow creatures in the trees. At mile five, you should ignore the vanishing of the trees and the sudden appearance of a lake and the glowing of a moon. It's kind of like a Bob Ross painting at this point. At mile six, pay no attention to the returning of the trees, the disappearance of the stars or your flickering headlights. If your radio suddenly turns on at this point, you should ignore that and any message that it might be playing. Wait, 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 wait. What if it's playing something awful? Like Maroon 5 or Imagine Dragons. Well, you've just got to suffer through it, haven't you? Because you want to get your deepest desire. You just have to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. No, this is torture. I can't even think of a Maroon 5 song. I don't want to. (laughs) At mile seven, you're going to ignore the voices. This is like the day-to-day. In 1986, no one died. Uh, You're going to ignore the voices that might be coming from the back seat of your car or vehicle. At mile eight, you should slow down, but do not stop. No matter how cold it gets and no matter who or what you might see, do not stop. Your vehicle might stall at mile nine, but you're going to close your eyes. You're going to try to restart it. But no matter what you hear, do not open your eyes until you are driving again, which seems dangerous to me. Like driving with your eyes closed, essentially. That's what I was wondering. I mean, that's got to be dangerous. It is. But again, if you want... If if you you want to reach the spirit world, you know, this is what you have to do. By mile 10, do not look in your rear view mirror. And by the 11th mile, your vehicle may lose power, but it might continue to move. And if you see a red light ahead of you, close your eyes tightly. Cover them with your hands if you have to. Cover your ears if you can. And make sure that you just cannot see anything. No matter what you hear, do not look. No matter what you feel, do not look. No matter how hot it gets, you do not look at anything. What if you're getting pulled over? By the cops. Well, you probably will be if you're being a fucking <laughs> numpty who's doing this. The power should return to your vehicle at this point, and you can finally open your eyes. So to receive your award, drive until the road uh, dead ends, stop your car and close your eyes, and you're going to imagine your deepest desire. Imagine not only desiring it, but also possessing it. If your desire was an object, check your trunk. If it's smaller than that, check your tro- uh, your pockets. But if your desire was non-material, return to your normal life. And uh, if it does not appear immediately, you're going to wait and be patient and it will come. What would you wish for? Salma Hayek. What? Well, I don't know if I'd really need that. I would want Salma Hayek. I want a trillion dollars. Yeah, but I don't, if Salma I wish Hayek. for Salma Hayek and she was all of a sudden in my house, she'd be like, what the fuck am I doing oh, in this shitty feisty. apartment? She's so feisty. Yeah, and I doubt she'd want to have sex with me. It would just be awkward. <laughs> I don't know why I even thought of Sal- Salma Hayek. Like, she would be so annoyed. <laughs> she would be. Mine's better. A trillion dollars. Yeah, that actually would be uh, more utilitarian. I should have, yeah, I should have, you know, been like a lot of well, money. no, you've made your choice, Salma Hayek, Lover. No, I've made mine. Yeah, I don't know why that was the first thing that popped into my mind. It's not something... I'd rather have a trillion dollars. She's gorgeous. It's understandable. She is gorgeous, but I just don't know what would happen. I don't think... She'd slap you. Yeah, she probably would. Call the police. So even though this game is fabrics, it hasn't stopped a whole bunch of YouTubers from giving it a good go, getting millions of views because of it. So if your deepest desire is to be a YouTuber then this could actually work out pretty fucking well for you. I think the top video had 3.4 million views. And it's just some dumbass. Uh, uh, people driving and uh, doing the whole road thing. Yeah. Seems like it'd be dangerous. Filming yourself driving. Filming yeah. yourself driving, oh, closing well, no, your eyes. Yeah, close my eyes. We're on and the Doing all this mile. and like, yeah, you know, I, I, I imagine it'd be kind of dangerous. 
So another internet urban legend that was so popular in 2015, it became one of the most popular searches on Twitter was Charlie Charlie. Did you ever hear of Charlie Charlie? I don't recall uh, ever playing that one. I mean, I kind of remember it, but at the same time, not. It like I never played it. But I think if I'd have been a kid in 2015, I would have been all about it. Playing. I would have tried school. all of these. Oh yeah. At the time, in fact, I might try some of these uh, tonight <laughs> for fun. The bathtub game for sure. So depending on whom you ask, Charlie is either the apparition of a Mexican demon masquerading as a young boy, or he's a vengeful ghost of a young boy who is tragically lost and has returned to haunt and terrorize the world of the living for causing his death. So this is a Spanish game known as, oh my God, I am absolutely about to butcher this. I can't speak Spanish. I can do it. You do Juego it. de la Lupicera. Thank you. That is absolutely not how I was going to say it. I kind of want you to try it. Uh, I would have said him. Um, Diego de la Lapiceria. Close. Yeah. I'll never learn. I'm, I just can't do romance. I'll sandwiches. give you a couple couple years in LA. You're going to you're going to Oh, I'll up. learn some. Yeah. yeah. I know what chi-chi's means. You'll definitely be able to order a Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> so this game um is also is called the game of the pens and it's been played by generations. So it has the same principles as the Ouija board. You are attempting to make contact with the other side. You're attempting in particular to make contact with Charlie and he can transport to anyone playing the game and terrorize them. And he performs acts ranging from moving the pens used in the game to causing powerful paranormal possessions. So to summon Charlie, the player must place two pencils or pens in like a plush shape on a piece of paper and you will write yes and no in the corners of the paper, like diagonally from each other. You will then ask, Charlie, Charlie, are you there? And that's going to summon the demon child. You can then ask any yes or no questions with potentially dangerous and deadly consequences. I like this game. So you can just summon Charlie to fuck with your friends. You could, yeah. You could be like, Charlie, can you kill my brother because I hate him? This is great. Yeah. So this game was adapted into a movie in 2017, the horror mockbuster Ouija Free, the Charlie Charlie Challenge, a movie so bad that it's not even good. I watched a trailer. And although (laughs) parents were scared of their children being eaten up by Charlie, its popularity is somewhat faded, but there is a new contender for supernatural scares in the midst. It's a game called The Free King's Ritual, and this is not to be confused with the George Clooney film of the same title that's about the Yanks versus the Camel Jockeys. (laughs) At its core, it's a meditation ritual, albeit a possibly deadly one, where you open a door to the supernatural world of horror. This was originally posted to the No Sleep subreddit in 2012, and it's now so popular it has its own subreddit. And at the original poster's behest, please don't actually try this. So, so wait, the guy that runs the subreddit is, is warning people not to try it? The, the guy who wrote about the Free Kings ritual. Oh, who actually wrote the okay? Who wrote did about it? The ritual. Said, "Don't do it." So you do need two people to play this game, and both have to be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually stable. You also must be clean and sober because you should not attempt the game if either of you have consumed drugs or alcohol in the last three to five days. So that excludes us who smashed a bottle of Yellowstone <laughs> watching the boys the other night. Yellowstone is it bourbon? Yellowstone. Yeah, it's bourbon. Yeah, it's good. You know, yeah, I would have trouble. I'd have difficulty with that. That's one rule that I think I'm going to have to uh, either ignore or just not even bother with. We also couldn't do this because a cellar basement is an ideal room for this ritual. 
The list of requirements is also rather long. So you will need a pack of candles, a lighter, a bucket of water, a cup, an electric fan, two large mirrors, three chairs, an alarm clock, two fully charged mobile phones, a place to sleep like your bedroom, and a small object of sentimental value, maybe something from your own porcelain zoo. God, this one is even more complicated than the others. Yeah, this, this is a very complicated and in-depth one. Wow. And it go and it's you're not gonna like what happens next. Both of you should begin at 11 p.m. You do not begin without your partner being present. So you're gonna cover all the windows in your room if there are any. You're gonna place one chair facing north in the center of your room. This chair will be your throne. You're gonna place the other two chairs on either side of your chair, uh, the throne facing it, an arm's length away. Okay. This is gonna be your queen's chair and your fool's chair. Place one of the mirrors on the queen's chair and the other on the fool's. The mirrors should be like perpendicular to the seats and facing both each other and you. So you should be able to see your own reflection in each mirror from your peripheral vision while seated in the throne. So they're not exactly like pointed at you. They're kind of on an angle. On an angle, but you could look you could look through your peripherals and see. And you can see. Okay, so yeah. you can see yourself. So you're going to place the bucket of water and the cup in front of you, just out of your reach. Place the fan behind you. You're going to set it to medium or low, and you're going to keep it stationary as well. Leave the room, but keep the door open, and you're going to go to bed. Place the candles, lighter, alarm clock on phone next to your bed. You're going to make sure your phone is charging as you'll need it, and you're going to set your clock for 3.30 a.m., which is a bit shit. As you drift off to sleep, you're going to hold your object of sentimental value, which is also called your power object, and you're going to focus on just getting a couple of hours sleep before the ritual. When the alarm rings, if you've dropped your power object, you're going to pick it up, you're going to light one candle. Do not turn on any other lights, and you're going to return to your dark room. You must be seated by 3.33 a.m., so you cannot faff day. You <laughs> no wouldn't make it about. because you'd be like hocking up your lungs and doing all your Jew noises like you do in the morning, slamming cupboard doors that you do. Well, I wouldn't be able to make it anyway because I wouldn't follow all these Verkakta rules. <laughs> and not to mention, I would want to have a beer at least if I'm fucking staying up till 3.30 a.m. I agree, but that we can't. You shouldn't proceed if your phone didn't charge, if the alarm clock failed to time, chime at 3.30, or if you find the door to the dark room closed, or that the fan has turned off, or if you're even a second late. If any of these things occur, you must actually leave the house and not return until after 6 a.m. Where the fuck are you going to go? Like Dunkin' yeah. Donuts or something? Like, yeah, like a Denny's and just hang out. And just hang out till 6. Yeah. I are you allowed it. to change into your clothes? No, you got to get the fuck out because your house is now an open door for the spirits. For the spirit world. So if, however, you have played the game like a good tin soldier, then you can carry on. You're going to take your throne. But do not look in any of the mirrors and do not let the candle go out. Use your body to protect the flame from the fan behind you. Focus on the darkness in front of you. Do not look at the mirrors or the flame of the candle. And now is the time to ask any questions that you may have. You may or may not receive a response. If you do, it's going to come from the direction of one of the mirrors. But do not turn to look at the mirrors. And the answers that you're going to hear are meant to be taken with a pinch of salt because you don't know if it's the queen or the fool answering you. And from their perspective, you are their queen or fool. So there's your three kings because in the spirit world, there's three of you playing this game you know, across the realms. So it's kind of like you're in like the reverse world. Yes. And they're in your reverse world. Yeah. And there's three of you. 
to help you determine who is the queen and who is the fool, you can ask questions such as like, when was I born? What day was I born? Like, what color is my eyes? Just like general get to know me questions. But as the game progresses, you can ask bigger questions such as what is my future? Can I change my future? Will I ever be rich? What's the meaning of life? When's this bad case of gonorrhea going to clear up? I think the fool would probably answer you for that one. (laughs) Or maybe it's the queen who also has gonorrhea. Well, maybe she gave it to you. Yeah, exactly. The queenly whore. Be prepared to hear answers that you're not going to like and be prepared to hear question answers to your questions And you must remember to never look in the mirrors either. Even if the queen's got like her titties out, you can't look. You can't even look. You can't even look for side Where are you supposed to look? Just not at the boobs that are in the mirrors. God, so many rules. (laughs) Remain in your throne until um, 4.34 a.m., at which time your partner should call out your name to end the game. But if your partner can't call out your name, they can ring you on your phone. But even if that fails, they can enter the room and without touching you, throw the water on you, which is probably the best part of this game. (laughs) I'm sure they'll do that anyway. I would have done that anyway. Oh, yeah, I tried to shout for you. Oops, I tried (laughs) to wake you up. You can now return to the land of the living. You're maybe a little bit wiser than before, but you're in a semi-conscious state and you've got to use your power item to guide you back. Blow out the candle and close the door to the room to signify that the ritual is done. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait a second. So you go into the spirit world and you just basically get to ask a bunch of annoying questions. Of Well, I mean, big questions. Okay, well, I guess you ask thoughtful questions. But then you get answers that might not be truthful. Or riddles. Or riddles. Which is And fun. then you just do that, but you don't get to go anywhere else in the spirit world. You just sit no. in a room and just ask questions to these, these three people. Yes. Or entities. These two people, the queen and the fool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so it's a bit anticlimactic. <laughs> I thought more would happen. I thought you'd see some dead relative. They'd give you a tour. Well, maybe the queen or the fool could be a dead relative. You would never know unless you played the game. I guess that's true. So like a lot of the ritual pastors, the threat threat level seems to be vague. I read the spirits will attack your partner should something go wrong or that they will emerge from the mirrors and they now live in their house. But like all the other rituals, this one is only as scary as you create it. The majority of the posts in the subreddit from people who claimed that they had a had had experiences playing the game like I said they're all kind of vague they read like a clone of each other but the subreddit is mainly just a bunch of men squabbling over if they've followed the rules correctly or not there's a just lot of mansplaining the ritual to each to other you. over and over <laughs> we get a man mansplain to another man oh absolutely so one man can mansplain, mansplain to another man but then that man will start mansplaining back to you and it's just an endless cycle of mansplaining. mansplaining. Fantastic. That that's Isn't pretty it? much that's pretty much what Reddit is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so actually the use of the mirrors is probably actually the only scientific part of the ritual which could produce results. Experience the illusion of a presence at the fringe of your vision can be a symptom of um autoscopy. So autoscopic phenomena are f- psychic illusionary visual experiences consisting of the perception of the image of one's own body or face within space either from an internal point of view as in the mirror or from an external point of view 
this is like some scientific shit. In laboratory experiments, neurologists have manipulated amputees into, into attributing a desired sensation to an image in the mirror as if it was their own missing legit, limb or digit. The brain's crazy. So then if you throw in the potentially suggestibility of candlelight, the white noise of the wearing fan that could easily serve as like a meditator's mantra, the paranoid consciousness of presences that you're not allowed to look at in your peripheral vision, and the terror of taking part in a ritual alone in the middle of the night, your brain is going to cook you up something pretty cool. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. I mean, it's, you, you know, you're, it's in the middle of the night. You're probably kind of tired, but you're also, you know, anxious because you're performing this mysterious ritual. So I imagine your imagination's running wild. Yeah. And meanwhile, you can see things out of your peripheral vision. Yeah. So yeah, obviously you're getting freaked out by it. It would also make sense that Redditors who commented such things as this, suddenly from the left side, I felt an overwhelming sense of anger, depression, hate, and what generally felt like evil incarnate. And from the right came these feelings of happiness, joy, and kindness, and was the complete opposite of the opposing force. It felt, I was, felt like I was no longer one person, but I was instead free entities fighting it out inside of my body. I remember feeling squished inside my own body, and I was starting to shake. It's like nothing I'd ever felt before. I at one point was sure I was going to be pushed out of my own body and could feel what can only be described as ego death. Oh, God. You just know this is a man. So he's no doubt experiencing a trick of the mind that he has created himself these would be like the worst people to get high with oh totally. like you don't even want to be in the same room if they ate an edible i would just leave because <laughs> you know they're going to be annoying it's like ego death these are the people who take mushrooms seriously yeah and, yeah. and they're just incredibly frustrating experience to be around them yeah so the implied seriousness of the instructions, the summoning of the spirits, the historical aspect of folklore with its ghouls and goblins, and the human want and need to actually be scared, they're all a reason why these rituals are terrifying. Because at the end, you're the one who conjures up the terror. Because the shadow side is nowhere near as terrifying as real life, is it? Whether you believe in real magic with a CK, rituals to make contact with the spirit realm, or creepypastas are just bloody merry for the eye generation. It's like you said before, it's now internet folklore. But it's impossible to deny that we all just don't want to try them. Even if you do, like, I don't believe in spirits and I don't believe in the other world. But even I'm a bit like, fiaty. Like, wait, oh, you no. would be, wait, you would be scared to try one of these rituals? Like, I get, well, I wouldn't do the free kings one. Well, I would be That's bothered really by that because there's too many fucking rules. But, like, I don't want to sit in a closet, like, in the dark with just a candle and then say, do what with me. Do what you want with me. I don't want to do that. Well, that's what I kind of liked about um, about Talk To Me is because you're with a group of people. Yeah. And they modernized it because, you know, they're, like, live streaming it or uh, posting it to Snapchat or something. But then with that, you had this, like, you know, the, this object, this, uh, you know, occult object, and you're touching it, you know, and then you have to, like, say, talk to me. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and that's what channeled the spirits. But th that's the thing. Everybody likes a, a jump scare. Really, that's why we watch horror films. Yeah, we want to you be know? scared. So we, we do want to be scared. I think it's in our nature. But I think some people, their their imaginations run a, a bit, uh, you know, a, a, a bit less constrained than others. I if would, you think about it. I would like to know if anybody has actually done, because there's hundreds of these different type of supernatural games. So I would love to know if anybody's actually done one or if anybody has used a Ouija board and things have happened. Because I've actually never heard anybody say a Ouija board wor wor worked for me 
or if anyone's been to a seance. I'm going to try the bath game tonight. Are you? (laughs) No, you know what? I do think our listeners, because it's Halloween, it's Spooktober, do something spooky. Try one of these out. Yes, please. And then give us a call and let us know if it worked or not. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I just I want to know. I, I want to I want to hear about your your subjective experience in the spirit world. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm such a skeptic that I just I find it really hard to believe. Though I find these things fun. I if there aren't so fun. many rules and I'm allowed to get high or drink. And Salma Hayek's involved. If Salma Hayek's there, yeah. I mean, then, then, I'd, then, I'd, then I'd really enjoy it. Or maybe even Helen Mirren. I wouldn't mind that either. Oh, she's hot as well. But I think she would also be equally as, you know, as, as bothered if she was here. Helen Mirren's a fox. I think she would probably just be like, oh, hello. She once described her perfect day as a toddler's side. And she was like, well, you must have sex in the morning to begin with. She's like in her 70s, man. You fucking get it, Helen. She is a fox, that's for sure. I know Wackerly, that was like his uh, his dream girl. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, wow. he loves Helen Mirren. He's talking agree. about her all the time. Um, people, this is episode uh, 915 here at Second Wrong. Got a couple phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. D. Simon, Lance Wackerly. Some folks call them podcrafters. I call them assholes, mm-hmm. I reckon I better tell you my sick and wrong story, mm-hmm. I looked in the window and caught my mama working herself good with some sort of pussy toy, mm-hmm. Some folks call it a rotating G-spot vibrating dildo from adamandeve.com. I call it a pussy toy, kind of shaped like a nanner, mm-hmm. I guess my mama entered the code word diddle at checkout and got 50% off almost any item. Three free adult DVDs and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it. Mmm. I reckon I'll get back to my biscuits and mustard and jerking off to D and Lance. That's funny and queer, not funny haha. So we have a couple phone calls to get to. People, you can call the Sacron Hotline at 323-522-4032. Or you can email the show. Just send us an MP3 to sacronpodcast at gmail.com. So the first call we have here is from Tommy yes. in Ohio. Love him. Who uh, is ringing in about farts. <laughs> I think he was inspired by our show a couple weeks ago. <laughs> okay, you guys did it now. Uh, yeah, your show last week, uh, Farts in a Bottle. Oh, my. This is Tommy. Hey, so back in the early 80s, I was working at a place. It was local. I could walk to work and everything. Uh, it wasn't too bad. It was an eh. But anyhow, for our raise for the year, they gave everybody a quarter, which, what? I mean, things were tough, but it sucked. I was a little ticked about a fucking quarter. Yeah, but this is the early 80s. It was a quarter not worth, like, I don't know, $500. No, a quarter had been worth maybe, like, a dollar. That's but it. it's like, could you imagine? That takes the piss. But, yeah. I mean, that's what the last company I worked with, they'd be like, you're getting a pay raise, 50 pence. And then you'd, the managers would expect you to be overwhelmed and excited that you're getting an extra 50 pence. Oh, fuck that. I'd be like, fucking shove that 50 pence up your ass, you couldn't. So yeah, fucking, for a quarter, this Owned by oil sheiks. Yeah. For a quarter, though, I'd rather be like, just don't even bother. Don't even fucking bother yeah. if that's the bonus. I'll just look for a new job. 
about it. I got off work that night and stopped at the bar and, you know, a couple beers, some shrivets, and the snack food at the bar was pickled eggs, you know, with pickled onions eggs. and garlic in the jar. I probably ate four of them, four or six of them. When I got home, I'm still... You know, this bar must be awesome. Of course it's awesome. Like in the Midwest. You know what it is? Remind me of you know, the bar in the movie Blue Collar. Oh, yeah. With Richard Pryor. It's kind of reminding me of that. Oh, so, Tommy, if you want a top-tier snack from the north of Britain, what they do, what we do with our pickled eggs. scotch eggs, eggs right? No, no, no. That's something completely different. Oh. We take a pickled egg and you put it in a pack of ready salted crisps and you just kind of mush it all up together and then you get a fork and eat it. And I've witnessed people eat. It's like Workington, Whitehaven, Silif. That It's over that They end. take a pickled egg, dump it in a, a, a thing of uh, crisps and then just mash it to pieces kind of mash and just it. eat it. Not like mega mash it, but you know, get it all like good. Get the egg a bit smashed and then you just get a fork and eat it. That's bizarre. It's snarf, mate. It's grim up there. Not about the shitty rays and everything. I'm downstairs in my workshop, and I look over, and, uh, well, things were getting gassy to start with, but I looked over, and I saw a box of baby food jars, and I got to think, you know, if I could bottle this stuff. Anyhow, I put a quarter put a quarter in a box. Who's going to buy your farts? No, I think he's going to send them to his fucking boss. It's just a baby bottle. Full of farts. <laughs> A baby food jar. Let one rip and then put the cap on real quick. Oh, okay, okay. This is a practical joke here. He put a quarter in the jar, sealed the farted in the jar, sealed it really, really. It's not a practical tight. joke. It's a fuck you to the man, and I appreciate it. Kind of snickered. Before you know it, you know, I'd had a couple of them that were pretty much gassed me out of the basement, but I managed to do six bottles. Wow. And I went back to the shop. The guys were still working overtime. I got a little baby food jar with a quarter and some gaseous inside of it. And I went in and snuck into the office and I left them on all the, the high hitters, you know, the VPs and the salespeople and the supervisors. I left. Wow. This is brilliant. This is awesome. This is, just, this is like sweet revenge. Yeah. yeah so he, so he just left this jar. This is. You know, this unusual jar, you know, that's there for no reason on the, with a quarter in it. He would be a legend on the floor after this. Well, I would have wanted to tell people. Well, actually, I don't know. He's probably better off not telling anyone. Oh, I'd fucking tell the crew in a hot He's if I'd better off like not this. telling anyone, but. I would tell the crew. One on everybody's desk. <laughs> and apparently the next day it wasn't. There was no humor in it whatsoever. I it was pretty it was pretty raunchy. And I mean you think about it, Schlevovitz, pickled eggs. Oh <laughs> yeah. But yeah, your story last week about the lady, yeah. Good for her. But if she wants the ultimate recipe, the one that will make eyes burn, Schlevovitz, it's it's plum whiskey. It's a European thing. And pickled eggs. Make sure there's lots of onions in the pickled eggs. That one will make her some money. Have a good one. And I'm glad I'm glad you're all moved over here, Kate. We're probably gonna send a care package out sooner or later. See you bye. Wow. Thank you, Tommy. That that that's a pro tip. Yeah, Tommy right there. you should message me and tell me what treats you want from California and I'll send you out some California treats in exchange for Ohio <laughs> treats. Have you ever heard of this plum beer? Plum whiskey. Or plum yeah, yeah. whiskey, is it, that what it is? It's all over Poland. It's 
so syrupy and sweet. And they do like, there's a cherry one. I can't remember what the one in Poland's called, but I absolutely got obsessed with the cherry one. It's like a cherry can of vodka. And you would have it as like a long drink, but you can just knock it back and just get wrecked. It's pickled eggs with onions and plum whiskey. Every so often I go through phases with pickled onions where I'll just, I could sit and eat a, a whole like jar of them in a go. But then I won't eat them for like nine months and then I'll just suddenly get the urge. Nothing beats a pickle. No, I, lo- I love pickles. So this is one of those revenges though that you don't actually get to experience the schadenfreude. If I told you about my mate Egghead. Did he have pickled eggs? My mate Egghead was a head chef, a head chef living chef at this country pub, uh, High Heskett. Uh, people who drive from Penrith to Carlisle will know this pub, um, Rose and Crown. Right, and they treated him like fucking shite. There was just sticks to him. He never got raised either, even though he was like a living chef. And they didn't even let him have like two weeks off. And so he was essentially trapped out in the middle of nowhere for like two years. It's like working in a pub in the League of Gentlemen. So he handed his notice in. He's moving to Glasgow. They're treating him like shit. And one night while he was upstairs in his room, he just thought, right, I'm leaving here after a really shit time. Uh, I'm drunk, a bit drunk. I need to take a shit. So he shit in like this chest of drawers. And he said it was like the most perfect log he'd ever made. It was like, you know, the the gods had blessed him with this log in this particular moment. And he was like, it was as thick as a baby's arm. And he, he, <laughs> and left, he just left it and he left, in the chest of drawers. He left it in the chest of drawers and he knew that they would, obviously the owners of the pub are going to come in and clear out his room to get ready for the next chef to come and live in. And he was just like, <laughs> always said it was one of the things he's proudest of doing in his life. And I was like, you're a legend, man. That's such a good story. And this is like that. It's like, yeah, I mean, you won't be him. able to experience it, but you know it's it's going to be epic. It's the, the pleasure in the doing, definitely. Man. Good on you, Tommy. Yeah, Legend. brilliant. Uh, thank you, Tommy, for that one. Um, next one that we have here is uh, from Christopher Siege. Amazing. He called in Siege versus a German tourist. Amazing. It's a little longer than usual, but I'm going to let that go. Greetings, DNK. It's your old pal, The Siege, calling in. Now, the reason why I'm calling in is because during my last call that you played, which uh, alluded to the uh, shoplifter being uh, kneecapped by his own hubris, Kate had mentioned that I'd been bitching on the Discord about uh, dealing with tourists at my uh, relatively new job. So we're a harbor town. And uh, so during the summertime, apparently, we get a shitload of tourists coming in. And uh, not just any tourists, but uh, rich motherfuckers on their yachts. Yeah, I could imagine. There's probably, because he's up Vancouver. Island, yeah. Yeah, Vancouver Island. Well, they have a lot of cruises that go up that way to Alaska. So imagine they stop at Vancouver Island. I mean... I will one day be a tourist on the island. I've always wanted to go to Vancouver Island. Oh, it's kind of reminds me of Twins Peak. I'm Twin not going to go visit it, you know, while stepping off a cruise ship. No, but I mean, get used to it, Siege. I've lived in a tourist trap for the majority of my life. You do want to. By the way, I, you know, the felling of that tree on Hadrian's Wall. Don't oh, give yeah. one shit about it. I lived on Hadrian's Wall for the better part of a decade. Fuck the people who come to Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> So a very uh, common thing that I've run into, because this is my first, I've only been at this store for like five months. Uh, Something that I've noticed is we get a lot of people from elsewhere in the world who come in looking for very specific products that 
they can get in their country or maybe neighboring countries, but uh, you can't get here. Now, I had this German woman, a uh, perfect example of this was I had this German woman the other day come in looking for some kind of bread. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, uh, I'm just going to call it uh, Scheisehosen or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so she's looking for this uh, bread and uh, we start looking in the it, it's something I've never even heard of. And uh, it's something that, uh, yeah, yeah, that I've never heard of. So we go to the bread section and are looking and we it's not there. We don't carry it. And I tell her, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think we carry it. She's like, what? That's silly. You can get it anywhere. I like his German accent. Yeah, he's pretty good. He sounds yeah, like an evil villain. Well. Yeah. yeah. He's probably giving Waski a boner hearing that. <laughs> I'm like, well, that may, I mean, I, I don't know, lady. Like, look. Uh, I don't think we carry it. She's like, well, you can get it outside. It's it's not just strictly for sale in Germany. You can get it anywhere. You can get it in the United Kingdom, all over Europe. And I'm like, well, that's all well and fine, but this is literally the other side of the planet from that. Uh, we I we we don't have it. She's like, but but that's silly. You can get it anywhere. You must you must sell it. And I'm like. This is Canada, right, well, bitch. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you're just like, do you want to walk around the store and look for it? Because we don't fucking have it, bitch. I'd have been like, let me go get my manager and we'll find out if there's a German deli in town. Oh, wait, I already know there isn't. Fuck off. Well, you've, I'll worked, feed you've worked in stores, supermarkets, things like that in your time. Don't you like when do when do you get to the point where you lose your patience? Um, like, did anyone ever approach you and ask you for, like, to find an item? One of my the, my favorite stories, because I just remember this guy so well. He was such a cunt. And I used to work in this place where we did a, a thing called homity pie. This is when I was a waitress. Homity pie. Homity pie. It's basically, essentially, it's cheese, potatoes, parsley, and garlic. But it's not just a cheese and potato pie. It's a homity pie, okay? That's what it's called. It's a recipe. A homity pie. And the guy was asking me what's in the homity pie and I just described it to him like I did now. And he went, so it's cheese and potato pie, isn't it? I was like, no, it's a homity pie. He was like, but it's just cheese and potatoes. I was like, no, it's a homity pie. Like that. I'm just smiling at him. I was like, you are such a cunt. It's a homity pie. Fuck off. Like, let me serve it to you or don't. <laughs> well, don't, I, I can understand. I'd want to know what's in it. Cheese, potatoes, parsley and garlic. All right, well, there you go. I'd be like, okay, well, I like cheese and potatoes. I'll order one. It was really delicious, the homemade pie there. But that was just one. That I don't have a very long fuse for people if they're being cunts. I was better at the bar because drunk people are easier to deal with. And you can just walk away as well. Well, you can't walk away if you're working. You're behind the bar. Oh, yeah, no, you serve them, but then you fuck off. You don't have to be like stood there chatting to them. You can be yeah, like, oh, I've got to go there. There's something that needs fixed in the uh, cellar. I've got to go well, by. It's a little different over there because you're not getting tipped. Also true. Yeah, in the U.S., you kind of do have to maintain some kind of rapport. Decency. <laughs> well, like a rapport, you, or they're going to stiff you, and, and that kind of sucks. But I have worked jobs where, you know, I've had to deal with uh, with just, you know, unruly customers asking me, like, idiotic questions. And, yeah, your patience runs thin. Like this, Siege is being remarkably patient. Yeah, I would have just been like, yeah, I'm really sorry we don't carry it, but um, like, I'm, I'm going on break now, so I've just got to go. Because at the end of the day, even if she complains to your manager, I would just turn around and be like, she was being a fucking cunt. 
And your manager's going to believe you over them. Any I would day. Pro- what I would probably do is I'd be like, you know what? You should go ask that guy. And I'd oh. point to my coworker. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's also he knows good. where everything I would is point, in this yeah, store. Yeah, I would point to my crew member Tweedy and do that. Yeah. Go ask him. Go ask him. <laughs> he loves to help uh, German tourists. <laughs> if we carried it, it would be, it would probably be in the deli because that's where like import food and like specialty foods tend to be sold. And she's like, what? A deli? But I don't want to shop. Go to a deli. I want to shop here. And I'm like, no, no. Yes, here, the deli department in our store. She's like, why would you send me to a deli? I want to shop here. I'm shopping here right now. And I'm like, I'm not sending you elsewhere. I'm saying the deli department in this grocery store. She must have left Europe, though. Like, delis and like... Poland and Italy and fucking France, you know, it's all separate. But she must have left Germany and she must have gone to America or Canada and know this. Yeah, I mean, most most large supermarkets tend to have a deli section. Yeah. So I'd be surprised. But I mean, even... Even in Germany. Even they, in Germany, they have delis, like a deli section in the store. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But we don't know where she's from. Be where this item is, if we have it, which we probably don't. And she was like... But I'm shopping here now. I don't want to go to a deli. And I'm like, I'm like, look, on the other side of the store, deli department, in this store, you're not going somewhere else. So paid. And she's like, well, you, you must show me. And I'm like, it's, it's literally on the far side of the store. Like, you can't miss it. Like, you walk, when you walked into the store, you walked past it. And she's like, you must show me now. And I'm like, oh, fine, follow me. And so I lead her to the deli department and she's like, well, there is it. Oh, and uh, I'm like, I'm like, well, if we had it, this is where it would be. And I don't see it. So I'm guessing we don't carry it. She's like, but that's ridiculous. You can get it she's anywhere. Insufferable. And I'm like, not here, apparently. Like, like, and she's like, well, where can I get it then? And I'm like, I don't know. Germany. In Germany? She's like. It's available outside of Germany. It's what I told you. It's bread. It it would be with the bread. And I'm like, but it's not. But it's not, lady. It's not with the bread. It's not here. We don't carry it. And she's like, again, she's just like, well, but, well, where should where should I go to get it? And I'm like, Germany. Again, I'm like, Germany or somewhere in Europe. Not here. She's like. And at this point, I've lost patience. She's like, look, I'm like, look, we, we don't carry it. All right. Just like, I, I don't know what to tell you. And she's like, huh, well, what happened to Canadians? Suppose I, I thought Canadians were supposed to be polite. And I'm like, <laughs> well, we can't let the tourists win. <laughs> yeah. And walked away. Anyway, that was my story. Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Bye bye. Well, he's way more polite than most Americans would be. You know what I would have done? I would take it over to the Manischewitz section where all the Jewish food is and be oh. like, Here, try, here's some of this. Have here's some, some of, Jewish food. Have some of this. Kosher. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it kosher, honey. This is for my people. And oh. then I'd run away. And then I would have been like, I'll just go get my... I would, you can also do the thing where you're like, oh, I'll just go get my manager. And then you just never return. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. I've done that a whole bunch it's of like, times. It's like, oh, let me go find someone who can help you and just go... Fuck, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> go I've to another aisle. I just would like, at that point where I'd be like, well, I guess I'll go on my break now. <laughs> and I would just go and sit upstairs for 20 minutes, have a cup of coffee and just hope they fuck off. 
Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I understand being patient to a point because I will try to help somebody if I can. Yeah, obviously. You know, but, but I mean, at, at this, with her, after like a minute of her arguing with me about this thing that obviously does not exist in that store, I would have been like, at that point, I would have been like, oh, you should go ask him. He knows where everything is. I'll get my manager for you, honey. You know, is but you do you have, she's the type of person who probably would complain. So you do have to be careful. Yeah, but what's your manager going to do? Unless you're like hitting them or spitting on them. Like I've gotten into like, I've had complaints about me from members of the public manager. I can and I'm imagine. Like, and I'm like, they're being a dick. <laughs> if they're being a dick, you can't expect me to not be a dick back. Like, nah. That's not how decency works in this world, mate. When uh, I was in Chicago, I remember, because um, I kind of lived near Boys Town, like, uh, and Wrigley Field, that area, you'd get a lot of tourists there, too. And anytime, you know, a tourist would ask me, I didn't even care if they were foreign, anytime a tourist would ask me where something was, I just told them the directions to the manhole. <laughs> That's funny, but that is also very mean. I think it's hilarious. I'd be like, oh, yeah, especially bros, when they'd be like, yo... We're looking for this bar. Well, that's you know, it's funny. Like the yeah. Cubs, you know, like the Cubs, like Cubs players and people hang out there. It's a big baseball sports bar. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. Just go down here. <laughs> go to the right. <laughs> I think it's called the manhole. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it in there. You'll love it there. It's so welcoming. But, you know, when I was in uh, San Francisco, though, I would feel bad for the tourists who would be walking from Union Square and... And, you know, they were lost and confused and they'd be, they'd find themselves walking into the tenderloin. And oftentimes, like if they asked me, like, you know, we're trying to find this, I would usually help them. I'd be like, you don't want to keep going that way. I always will help like tourists and stuff if they're lost because I'm still a tourist in the city, you know? I'll always be that. And you just need the kindness of strangers sometimes to get you through. Yeah, and, and I, I think, I mean, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick to people, but I'm also, like, not going to be that patient. Oh, fuck no, I never would have been. I, I mean, wouldn't I have lasted that long. I would have politely told that person to eat a dick. That is the deli. <laughs> His voice is so good. <laughs> yeah, he does a good German accent. Um, anyway, people can call the Sigron hotline, 323-522-4032. I want to give a big shout-out, actually a huge shout-out to Patrick. For his audio wizardry. Yeah, he, um, so Patrick has been a long time listener to the show. I think I've met him once or twice. And uh, I was complaining about the, uh, the audio quality on a couple of our episodes, uh, episodes 209 and 210. Yeah, we had some issue. Uh, these, both these episodes were recorded while I was in Carlisle at, uh, at Kate's house. And we just had issues with some of the equipment that, that we were using. It's not my typical, it's not my home setup yeah. that I'm used to. And so I had to use, um, you know, a different, we, I don't even think we had a mixer. Uh, we had a baby mixer. A baby. No, we yeah, didn't well, even we had, have a mixer. Yeah, we had a mini Scarlet. But anyway, yeah. I had equipment that I wasn't familiar with and the episodes, both of those episodes sounded like shit. And I tried everything I could to, with my limited, you know, audio engineering um, uh, skill set, tried everything I could to fix it and I couldn't do it. And then uh, Patrick um, called up and was like, hey, I'd like to take a stab at trying to, uh, to, to fix those episodes for you. And I was like, God, I really appreciate that. And I sent him the episodes, turned it around in a day, and they sound, I mean, you can kind of tell they sound a little bit different, but also we're also recording in a different uh, you know, location. But it sounds amazing. 
Yeah, thank you, Patrick. I couldn't believe it. I was listening to that. And I was like, wow. I actually had to ask him, how did you do that? I was so impressed. So, Patrick, thank you for that. And um, yeah, if there's any way we could return a favor, just let us know if you want us to plug something. Uh, just let us know. Um, we do really appreciate the help for that. And, and once again, thank you to all the listeners who support us on Patreon. You, you're the ones that keep this show going every week. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. And uh, if you do want to get some merch, we have um, you know, a couple new designs at the uh, T Public Store. Just go to uh, stickaroundpodcast.com slash shop and click on the picture of the Pope. Buy yourself something pretty. Uh, and Sick and Wrong Song of the Week, K Rambo picked this one out, but it's a great song. It's uh, by the band Dark Carnival, and the song's called Bloody Mary. Very thematic. Yeah, is anybody shocked that I've picked, <laughs> picked this band? I one of Kate's so. favorite uh, music, musicians, really. Or both. Two of them. Actually, two of them. Yeah. Uh, Niagara Detroit and uh, Ron Ashton from the Stooges. But Dark Carnival is kind of a super group. Yeah, a bunch um, of uh, Detroit musicians. Yeah, yeah. Cheetah 80s. Chrome was in the band. Scott Ashton was also in the band. Yeah, Greasy Carly from... C, Bootsy was in yeah. the band too. And this song is great. I mean, uh, yeah, Niagara's voice sounds awesome in it. Anyway, we're in the show here with uh, Bloody Mary from Dark Carnival off their uh, their last record, uh, The Last Great Ride, came out in 1997. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 916. Till then, take it sleazy.
Fandom, do you think has the smelliest fans? Like, hmm. I think it would definitely. Um, I think fandom. I think fandom wise, I think it would definitely have to be um anything that's um anything that's probably um uh, I think it's definitely um anything that has um I think it's someone who shows up as um as um, as death characters maybe.